throughout this series, we've focused on all of the ways that the gospel, um, the belief in Christ, his life, his death, and his resurrection, and his ability to atone for our sins can be twisted. Most recently, this past week, we talked about how power, our understanding of power, can can turn perhaps the gospel into a weapon when we think through history and we see how individuals or leaders took the be baptized or die approach to uniting people in following Christ. We've seen how the gospel is used for gain, not only monetary or financial gain by false teachers, but also by individuals looking to gain power through, uh, through the name of Christ. False teachers declaring a health and wealth type gospel that, that peddles promises that they can't fulfill. But today we put the, the twisting of the gospel behind us. We, we say no to adding things to the gospel. Jesus plus no, we, we don't need anything. We say no to adding our works to it. We say no to the temptations of the devil that say that we need power or freedom or rights or all those things, and we come to the final sermon in our series, which Betty and Don, when they were here, our missionaries, she, it was like she looked at my notes and she said, it's Jesus plus nothing. But I know they didn't look at my notes, they just knew what scripture said. That, that scripture says that, that we only need Jesus for salvation. There's no additions that we need to add on to what he has done to count ourselves as one of the people who are saved by his name. And so today we're going to head to the book of Colossians. And so you can grab your phone, grab your Bible, uh, the Bible in front of you. If you grab that one, uh, you're going to be on page 954. Uh, students, if you got one of those green or purple Bibles, it'll be on page 1,478. We're going to read uh, just a few verses, about I think nine of them, and we're going to start at verse 15. And if this passage sounds familiar, the song that we sang during the offering is, is basically the same words. So let's hear these words. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once, you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical 
body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel this is the gospel that you've heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I Paul have become a servant our dependence on Jesus is not a form of weakness but it's a recognition that he is all that we need often when skeptical people begin to think about an invisible God they begin to think that belief in God then is a weakness. Skeptical people believe that belief in God is something for weak-minded people, that they would learn it, that they would believe that thing of this imaginary creation, this invisible something that holds all things together. Skeptical people would say that Christianity then is a crutch used for comfort during difficult times, a, a crutch that causes you to avoid the difficult questions of the day. But I don't think, and you probably don't either, that Christianity is a crutch. Because the true gospel, as we've seen throughout this series is not one that necessarily brings a physical comfort. It brings a mindset of sacrifice. Sacrifice to our own desires. And for some, even the people that Yuko prayed for earlier, it was a sacrifice of their life. If we look throughout the history of Christianity, we would notice that over these 2,000 years, we would see people that gave up everything, even their own life for following Christ, huge sacrifices, huge difficulty in life. They weren't avoiding the difficult questions and using God as a crutch. But the reality is we who follow Christ don't follow an invisible God. We've come to know who God is. Hebrews uh, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, uh, Paul, or not Paul, uh, uh, the author says that previously God spoke through the prophets, but now he has spoken to us through his Son, whom he appointed heir to all things and who through whom made the universe. It's Jesus, this historical Jesus that became the one who, who would show us who God is to make real this invisible God that we cannot see. It's Jesus who is the image of the invisible God. It says the 
firstborn over all creation. And we're not saying that Jesus himself is a created being, per se. He's not the first creation. But the firstborn would have this, this kind of authority, this dignity over top of the other siblings. It would be the firstborn that would have the birthright and, and the blessing and all these other things that would come to them. And it was Jesus who, who commands, we could say, some type of supremacy, some type of honor, some type of dignity here within this world. It's Jesus, this invisible, or this visible image of the invisible God that shows us the, the more we know about who Jesus is and what he has done, the more then we know about what God is like. And I think in this chapter of Colossians, we're going we're gonna to learn two specific things about what Jesus is like and, and therefore what God is like. That he is supreme in his power over creation and that he is supreme in his ability to restore, renew, and reconcile all things to himself. Through Jesus, in Jesus, we've been created in him. We'll see that. We'll, we've been created through him, and we've been created for him. And in regard to redemption, we have been redeemed in him and through him and for him. You'll see some of those words, in, through, and for, as we head through this chapter together. As, as we begin with Christ's supremacy, we begin with creation. In him, all things were created heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all of these things have been created through him and for him. We, we can probably remember similar words, and if, if you don't, I'll put them on the screen from the book of John. John uses the image of the word, as the word is Christ, and through the word, through him, all things were made. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. Jesus has this superiority over creation. He was there in the beginning when all things were created, but he's also the goal of creation. We see that through the words in, through, and for. In him, all things were created. All things have been created through him. So he's the originator of creation himself but then those last three words and for him it is Jesus who is the goal of all creation all creation has this purpose of honoring Christ by how they live we have been made for him that just by our very existence Jesus would receive glory and honor and praise His supremacy doesn't stop with the creation of all things or receiving glory from all creation because we move on and we see that he is the head of the body in the church. The first 
born among the dead so that in everything he might have supremacy. We use that passage, firstborn among the dead, recognizing that Jesus is just the first that will rise from the grave, that those who believe in him one day too will be risen from the grave. It's Jesus who has all authority in heaven and on earth to make this possible, to to cause a renewal and reconciliation of not just people, but also all things. He reconciles all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. He reconciles all things by making peace through his blood on the cross. You don't see it say, by making peace through his blood on the cross and all the work that you do later on. You don't see it say, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross and all the tradition that we have. We don't see it say, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And you need to add power to that, or you need to, there's nothing that is added to it. It is by only his blood shed on the cross that we are given peace with God, that we are given a reconciliation. The moment you begin to say, Jesus is your Lord, is the same exact moment that now you are counted as reconciled with God. You are given Jesus' righteousness. He clothes you with it, just like you put on your clothes this morning. So when God looks at you, God doesn't see all those things that you've done in your life. Instead, when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. He sees Jesus' perfect a perfect life that he gave up of his own will, of his own choosing, that you and I would be counted as those who are righteous. All for the glory of God. All for God's honor, for his praise. In Hebrews chapter 2, we read this. It says, for this reason, he had to be made like them. He was made like us in physical form, right? Fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, that he would advocate on our behalf to God and that he might make atonement for those sins. That's him covering over us, all of our sins with his righteousness through his blood on the cross. Defend, dependence on Christ, dependence on him is recognizing he is our all-sufficient Savior. That he is all we need, nothing more. He is the one who gives us that opportunity for freedom within our life. If we head over to Acts, 
says, therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. My kids were watching the movie Pinocchio last night. It is, it is my least favorite movie, so I, I, I was not there with them. That's confession. Uh, but then I had been working on my sermon and talking about how there is freedom. And I was reading this section, and in the book of John, we read this verse. It says that when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And I heard my kids coming up from the stairs, and they said the truth will set you free. In, in the movie Pinocchio, he lies, and he, right, he grows this huge nose, and he continues to, to lie to himself and to other people. And it is only until he recognizes truth that he becomes set free from the cage that he created essentially for himself. It is only when we recognize the truth of Christ that reconciliation only comes from him that we will realize that's when we're truly set free. When we choose to follow Christ with with all our life, making sacrifice upon sacrifice perhaps to, to do so. It's only then when we become liberated and free through his name. In Jesus' extension of liberation and freedom, we see it in so many different ways. We can see it in scripture where Jesus liberates people Jesus is our peace. He has made two groups, two groups that, that hated each other, one. He destroys the, the barrier and the dividing wall of hostility. And you think about how Jesus could bring peace and freedom in this life. You can think of hostility between nations. You could think of hostility between Ukraine and Russia. You could think of hostility in the past in, in America, of hostility of native people and those who came and claimed the land as their own. You could think of hostility between African-American people who were brought here as slaves and slave owners. It is only through Jesus that we find reconciliation and peace between people because a sufficient Savior Jesus Christ is the one who breaks down those walls. A sufficient Christ is the one who gives us the peace with God. We have been justified through faith. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. He's the one that gives us that freedom. He's the one that liberates us from that. It's an all-sufficient Jesus who breaks the curse of the land. The curse of the toil of the land, knowing that one day it will be restored and renewed. It's the sufficient sufficiency of Jesus that transforms the relationships between men and women, acknowledging that we both receive the Spirit, calling not just women to submit to men, but men and women to submit to each other. 
It's the sufficiency of Jesus that frees us from anxieties and worry and shame. It's the sufficiency of Jesus that frees people from dependence on all forms of things. Pornography, drugs, or alcohol. Dependence not on those things now, but dependence on that all-sufficient Savior. It's the sufficiency of Jesus that says to you and says to me and says to this world, you are worthy. That you are enough to be saved. That you are enough in general. You are enough to be freed from that curse of sin that has affected our life and this world for all the days that we've been alive. It's the sufficiency of Jesus that says you can have a new life. It's by his authority and it's by his power that this all takes place. And, and Jesus isn't necessarily satisfied with only a group of people that call him an all-sufficient Savior. When we recognize the, the truth of Scripture that the resurrection and the redemption that is happening is not just for individual believers that they would believe in Christ. No, it, it, it goes further than that. It doesn't stop at a small band of devoted followers because it continues to all creation that Jesus would have supremacy over all things and that all things will be reconciled to him all that has been made in him and through him and for him will be reconciled in him and through him and for him. Jesus isn't this all-sufficient Savior over a purely spiritual kingdom. He is an all-sufficient Savior over heaven and earth as we know it. And that one day, this very earth, when he, he comes back the same way that he left, will receive new life. I don't know what that will look like, but I hope there's no weeds, right? I don't know what that will look like, but, but maybe it will reverse everything that's happened in the past where the land won't be under a curse anymore. The reality is, though, that we do know what it looks like when we look to Revelation, where there's no more weeping, there's no more crying, there's no more sickness, there's no more death, because the all-sufficient Savior, who has authority over heaven and earth, will make everything new. until that day we've been given a purpose that purpose is reconciliation everything we've received we've re received it from God and in Jesus all sufficient nature and we've been saved in him and through him but we've been saved for him and Paul says that the for is that we too would go on living a life with a ministry of reconciliation. 
that we would go throughout life trying to reconcile people to people, if you call that justice. That we would go throughout life reconciling people to God, sharing the good news that we have received by extending the peace of God to those who have no peace. By extending the grace of God to people who perhaps don't believe they're deserving of grace. He frees you and I. He reconciles you and I for the purpose of reconciling others. In our mission statement, we say that by saying we live for God, we love our neighbors, and we will lead people to Christ. So let's, let's join together. Let's join together on this journey as we do those things, as we live for God, we love our neighbors, and we lead people to Christ, to leading them to a freedom that they could not find on their own through an all-sufficient God, the invisible God, who has been known, made known, by our all-sufficient Savior. Let's go to the Lord and pray. Father, we thank you that, that Jesus is all we need. You had tried for years with the old way, the, the law of Moses, and you saw that we could not do it on our own, so you provided us a substitute, someone who was fully human, to take our place that we would be saved. Help us to recognize that Jesus is enough for us. And that in that recognition, that we would be able to share that Jesus is enough for everyone. That his grace is sufficient. And that he desires to renew all things to himself. It's in Christ's name that we pray.